Three weeks ago, we started a, uh, a new sermon series here at Hillside as we kind of kicked off the new year. And what we've been talking about is corporate worship, uh, what we do when we gather together in worship. Certainly, there are times individually where we come into God's presence. But, but there's also this thing that we do, most of us weekly, where we gather together at this time and we meet with God. We have what we call worship, and we have this corporate. We do it together. We meet with God. And one of the things we've said about this meeting with God is that it's, uh, it's often like a dialogue, all right? We've talked about how God speaks to us, and then how we respond, and how we speak to God, and, and, and we speak to each other. We encourage each other. But there's that going back and forth, and already we've seen it this morning, right? We've, we've gotten a greeting from God where God welcomed us with words of grace, and we've responded with praise, and we've confessed our sin and, and, and heard God's words of grace and so on. And, and so we have this dialogue going on. Then a couple of weeks ago, we started to say, well, let's look at the parts that we speak about, that we say. What, what are some of the things we say to God in worship? And, and we started and we said, you know what, we give praise to God in worship. Part of what we do is we just gather together and we say, God, you, you are so amazing. Your grace is so great. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. And we say, God, we love you and we worship you and we praise you. And so we praise God. And then last week we talked about confessing our sins. About, about owning those things, about saying, God, we've blown it, and then admitting that to God and asking for his grace, and then hearing God's word of forgiveness, God's amazing word of grace. This morning, we're going to talk about a third thing that we say to God together as we, as we come into God's presence, as we gather together for worship. And again, it's something we do individually, but it's also something we do together. We bring our needs to God, right? Part of what we do when we gather together is we say, God, help We say, God, please bless this person. God, please heal this person. And we bring those needs to God. And and again, throughout Scripture, we have this time and time again. Psalm 102. Psalm 102, verses 1 and 2. This is just the the opening of it. And and you can see what's going to be through the rest of the psalm. But hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. God, you know, I just, God, I got this, this is a psalmist. Obviously, something's wrong. Something's not the way it's supposed to be. And the psalmist is saying, God, hear us. God, answer my prayer. Psalm 5, another one. Uh, Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. There are 150 psalms. Some of you know that. 150 of them. The majority of any group of those psalms are what we call prayers of need. All right, there are these calls to God. God, we need you. Help us, heal us, bring us justice, vindicate us, all those things. That, that's the largest single group of these prayers of need. Some of them are individual, like the ones we've read here, right? My words, consider my lament. Some of them are communal, okay? A lot more are individual, but some of them are kind of the whole community coming. Psalm 80, verse 3, restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we might be saved. God, restore us that we may be saved. The whole community is saying, God, we need your blessing. It's like God has turned, you've turned your back on us. And and so we ask you. Again, in the New Testament, Jesus himself invites us to bring our needs before him. You may ask anything, he says. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And so again, part of what we do when we come together here is we bring our needs to God. We, 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 we bring our, our requests, our petitions, our pleas to God, and we do that together. Now, this is a, a little bit, one of the things that makes this kind of thing of us saying it to God a little bit different in some ways than the other two we've looked at so far is that this one is not done primarily through sung prayer. Okay, it, it, uh, confession we often do with a song of confession. Um, praise is almost always, we sing it, right? But, but when it comes to these, and part of it is because it's so specific, and, and we can't write, like, you know, please be with George's kidneys songs like that every week or something, right? I mean, and, and, and so it's not primarily through sung prayer. This is primarily through spoken prayer. Okay, the, the way we do this is often through, we, we gather together and, and through spoken prayer and often led by one person. This has been called the congregational, the pastoral prayer. Some of us called it the congregational prayer. Um, some people call it the prayers of the people. In my growing up years, I can tell you, a lot of you will recognize this. It was the long prayer, right? <laughs> it was the long prayer. And some of you still might call it that today, okay? It was that, that long prayer. And friends, we might, you might feel like it's long today, but let me tell you, kids, you have nothing on us. Because 10 minutes used to be normal. I mean, 15, you could go some of these. I mean, it was like the pastor got points for praying longer or something. But it was a long prayer. And, and part of what we recognize with that is, is, is it's, this is, I think, really difficult. We talked about confession being difficult last week. Confession is difficult, I think, because it's hard to be honest, right? It's hard to admit and own our sin. We want to cover it up. We want to deny it. This is hard because it's, it's challenging to pray with somebody else, right? Our minds wander. We don't know how to do this very well. And so there's a challenge here, and, and we'll get to that at the end about how we might think about it, how we might do this in a way that it's, it's meaningful. But again, it, it, it's really an important thing to do. So we bring our needs to God. And, and, and again, two questions this morning, the same two we've been asking for the last couple of weeks. The first one is, what are we doing when we do this prayer, when we all gather together and Daniel or I or somebody else gets up here and says, let's, let's pray together. And it's that long prayer. It's that pastoral prayer. We're praying for, what are we doing? What, what should be happening in us? And, and, and again, I think this is really important for shaping us as well, okay? So four things, and, and they're going to be easy, I hope, to remember. You don't have to worry about remembering them specifically, but you get a sense of it. And, and, and one of the reasons I think it's important for us to pray as a community is because part of what we do is we teach each other. And, and one of the first things we teach each other is that when we pray, we're honest about the brokenness of this world. Okay, one of, the, one of the first things we say when we come to God in petitionary prayer, when we present our request to God, one of the first things that we're really communicating to each other, to God, to ourselves, is that things are not the way it's supposed to be in this world. And, and, and sometimes I think we have an idea, well, we, we can't offend God because he's in charge, and so we have to say everything is always wonderful, and that's simply not the case. Fact of the matter is, in the, in the last couple of months here, we've had funerals, memorial services for a 44-year-old young man, 46-year-old young woman. That ain't the way it's supposed to be. That isn't the way it's supposed to be. This is not right. And, and God invites us in our prayer to come to God and to be honest about it and to say, God, no, no, this is not what's supposed to happen. This is not. It hurts and it's painful and we don't have to pretend 
and we get to pour out our hearts to God. And, and, and again, I think it's important for us to be honest about it and to recognize that biblically there is, this is part of what we do. God himself knows the brokenness of this world. And we experience that in, in all sorts of different places. Our bodies break down, right? I mean, we get cancer. Sometimes people we love die. We, we get the flu. Uh, Steve Germany's not here today because his face is exploding with an infection, sinus infection. It's ugly. I wanted to show you a picture, but you would have not. Anyway, I mean, you know, it, and, and, and there are some things, just colds that we assume we're going to get, but our bodies break down. And the Bible is full, right? Full of people who came to Jesus and said, restore my sight, you know, give me healing, or, or you know, whatever it is, time and time again. Some of the Psalms are so clear. Uh, Psalm 38, I think it's 38. If you, if you ever have back pain, my back is just searing with pain. <laughs> I, I mean, this, the psalmist just brought all of that stuff. Our bodies break down. People hurt us. Throughout the psalms, there's this talk about enemies. And, and, and I, I know Jesus says that we love our enemies and so on. But the reality is there are people in our world who want to hurt us. There are people who want to hurt you. There are people who, and, 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 and it happens sometimes. Sometimes friends betray us. And, and, and again, so often I think we kind of feel like, oh, let's just pretend everybody's nice. Let's just kind of, uh, but, but in, the, in the scriptures, the emotions are real. The emotions are strong. Look at, look at Psalm 55 on this one. Psalm 55. The psalmist says, and it's interesting, he's praying. This is a prayer, but it's like he's going to talk to his betrayer as well in this. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide but it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. We were in a small group together. And you're doing this to me. God, this is not right. I mean, the psalm just goes on to say, God, the, the, the words are like butter, but they're daggers. And, and it's just so, it, it, it's, it's not right. You have friends sometimes who, who betray you. We, have, we, have, we experience depression, anxiety, emotional struggles. We weren't created to do that. It's part of a broken world. And now we experience it. And, and it's part of being created with the ability to love. It's being created with the ability to hurt. God doesn't seem to care. And, and part of what we do sometimes when we pray is we say, God, what in the world is going on here? God, I, I mean, some of the Psalms are pretty clear about saying, God, personally, I think you should be doing better. Personally, I think you, you, it feels to me like you're dropping the ball. Psalm 13, how long, Lord? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I know I'm not perfect, God, but I've been faithful how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And, and, and so we just acknowledge that, 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 that sometimes it feels like God doesn't care. And we could go on and on and on. There is so much brokenness in this world. And part of what happens when we pray together, part of what happens is we remember that and we recognize it and we bring it to God. Okay? We, we, we affirm that. I think, again, if we, if we don't do any kind of a prayer like this in our worship, pretty soon you're going to go home and start to feel like, I must be the only one whose life is falling apart. 
I must be the only one who gets mad at God sometimes. No, you're not, okay? So we say to each other and, and to God, things are not the way they're supposed to be, and God invites us to bring all of our hurts, our pains, our frustration, our fear, our anxiety, our anger, all of that to him. God invites us to just pour out our hearts, and it's not just about us, okay? It's not, we bring the needs of the world, okay? God calls us not just to pray for myself, not just to pray for each other, but, but that's why this morning I checked CNN to see if there were any natural disasters. Daniel does that. He most often leads that prayer, and I know every morning, he's, I think he checks Fox. Anyway, no, I'm joking, okay? Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, because the fact is we do care about the world, we, we care about the brokenness around the world, and there's a lot of it. And, and, and so we, we bring all of that before God. And you might kind of, again, it, it, one of the reasons this shapes us, think about it. The fact is, almost always, for me, when something happens, the first question is, how does it impact me? How does it impact me? Does this make a difference in my life? And if it doesn't make a difference in my life, it goes way down here. In this kind of prayer, God is inviting us to say, Ron, you've got to care for the world. And, and I'm reminded that it's not just about me, and it's not just about me and you. It's about the world. It's about God being faithful and, and, and bringing the needs of the world there. So that's the first thing that happens. We're, we're being honest. What are we doing when we bring our needs to God? We're being honest. The second thing. And I think this is, again, a challenge for us. And, and I, I think it can be helpful for us to think about this um, when, when we think about bringing petitions to God, when we think about that part of the service. Second thing we're doing is, is we're admitting our dependence on God. What we're saying is, God, I can't, I can't fix this. We, we can't fix what's wrong in the world on our own. God, we can't take care of this. God, I'm coming to you because it's bigger than me. And, and the Psalms time and time again say, God, if you don't do something, I'm a dead man. God, if you don't step in. And, and, and that's hard for us sometimes to think about because we are all pretty competent people. And, and, and we live in a world of amazing technology and amazing ability. And the, the atheists that I know are kind of like, you know what, we can solve almost anything. And as we continue to grow smarter, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to solve more problems. And, and this idea that right when we pray, what we're saying is, God, I'm stuck. I, I, can't, I can't get there. Psalm 28, verse 1. To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. And then these words, for if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. I'm going to die. God, if you remain silent, God, if you don't speak, if you... Don't do something. And so here we are, again, really competent people, really able to do a ton of things. But when we pray, we say this amazing thing. We say, God, we can't. I think about it. One of the things I was thinking about this week that, that, that helped me when I was thinking about this is, is think about somebody if you've got a broken arm, right? You've got a broken arm, pray, but go to the doctor. Okay, go to the doctor. You know what the doctor can do? The doctor can set the arm. The doctor can't heal it. The doctor can set it. He can put the bone in the right place. And an atheist is going to say, then your body that evolved by evolution is going to heal it, right? I'm going to say, no, it's God. Think, I mean, in, in a sense, and, and I love doctors and, and so on, but doctors don't heal. All doctors do is kind of create the situations where God is going to work through our bodies to heal. I mean, God is the one who ultimately heals. And so what we say is, God, you know, we're going to work like crazy on this. 
But if you're not in it, if you're not doing it, then it's not going to happen. We can't, it can't fix what's wrong. And, and even, we can't even take care of ourselves. We can't, we can't take care of ourselves. Jesus taught us to pray in, in Matthew 6. Think about this. Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, this then is how you should pray. And he said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he said, and then when you pray, pray these words. Give us today our daily bread. If you stop and pray that, friends, can I be honest? I mean, my, my, when I think about this, my daily bread is in the oven right now, okay? Okay, it's getting cooked. I don't need God to miraculously give me daily bread. We got lasagna in the oven. We got garlic bread in the freezer. It's going to be, I don't, and, and, and so on the one hand, let's be honest. Most of us, when we think about this prayer, kind of say, I really don't need that, God, because I can get my own daily bread. But what Jesus wants us to remember is, guess what? You can't even get your own daily bread. God, I, God, I can't breathe without you. I can't walk without you. I wouldn't have lasagna to put in the oven without you. God, I can't do my job without you. God, I can't do anything without you. And, and, and that's part of what we admit, all right? That's, again, that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying, you know, we, we admit our dependence on God, okay? We say, God, this world is not right, and we can't fix it. And then we ask. We ask God to do something, and we ask God for many different things. I mean, we ask God to give us our daily bread. We ask God to give us healing. We ask God to give us strength, right? We ask God to take away temptation. We ask God to bring justice. We ask God to open doors for the gospel. We ask God to give us wisdom, to vindicate us, to help us hear you speak. Right before I preached, I said, God, please open up our ears. Open up our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. We say, God, we need you to help us Listen to you. We need that, all right? We need you, God, to make us more like Jesus. We pray to end racism. We pray to protect the unborn. Safe travels. On and on and on it goes. And, th- and that's good. That's, that's what we do. Now, again, it's a bit of a problem. Because <laughs> if we pray for all the needs of everybody, sorry, uh, it's going to go way too long, okay? Time matters. And I remember my pastor saying when I grew up, was growing up, he said, the mind cannot procure, the mind cannot get, the mind cannot procure what the seat cannot endure. (laughs) Preachers would do well to remember that, right? The mind cannot procure what the seat cannot endure. And sometimes when we're praying, we need to remember that, okay? And so we do our best. But we ask God for many things, and we try to ask God for the things that he wants for us. We don't just say, God, I want this. Again, I want to go back to a passage we read earlier, John 14, 14. Some of you noticed it, wanted me to highlight it. I will now. You may ask for any for anything, Jesus says, in my name. Okay? We ask in his name, and then he says, and I will do it. And, 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 and to pray in Jesus is not just to pray and then say, hashtag Jesus. To pray in the name of Jesus is to pray for what Jesus wants for us. It's to, it's to pray and say, God, you know, I, I want more than anything else your will to be done. I want you to do this, okay? First John, again, uh, 5 verse 14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, he hears us. And so we seek to ask God for the things he wants for us. 
So we're honest about the brokenness of the world. We, we're declaring our dependence. We're admitting our dependence on God. God, we can't solve this on our own. We ask God to do something, to be something, to be with us, to help us know that you are with us and so on. And, and then one more thing, and, and this really comes, I think, in both the Old and the New Testament, but it's really clear in the Psalms that we, we are affirming that God is faithful. When we pray, we affirm that God is faithful, that God is good, and, and, and that we trust God. You know, it's interesting. We look at some of these psalms. Let me show you Psalm 13. We read the first part of it, right? Verse 1 says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And again, don't underestimate the pain this psalmist is in and the frustration that this psalmist has with God, okay? I mean, this is, God, what's going on? This is... And he gets to the end, and I don't, think it's in a, a, I don't think it's in a major key. I don't think it's in a happy voice, but he gets to the end. But look at what he says in the last two verses. But I trust. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And sometimes we do that saying, I don't want to, but I can affirm this, God is still there. I still hold to him. Every psalm of need, there's only one that doesn't, but every other psalm of need either ends or in some place has a clear affirmation. Uh, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? And it ends with these words, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. And so there is that affirmation. And again, throughout scripture, we we are called to recognize that we come into the presence of a father who loves us. Come into the presence, and when we make these requests, God absolutely loves us. And so we pray with that sense of boldness. And, and, And we just say, we trust God. And, and, and we are bold in our prayers, but we are humble. Again, this is something that the, the theology of a church comes out in this kind of a prayer, right? Because in some churches it's going to be, Lord, we declare that you have healed this person, and we do not doubt it, and we claim it, and already, God, we're throwing away the wheelchairs. That, that's, we pray with boldness. God, we believe. I believe God can heal anybody at any moment. And I believe God does heal in our day and age, miraculously. But I also recognize it's his call, not mine. And so we do pray, your will be done. And we recognize that we are not God. We are bold, but we are humble as we bring these requests to God. And again, so I think about it. I mean, let's get real specific. We got Drew Vanderhill battling cancer. Although he's, he's, he's on the other side, it looks like. But Ben Kloster, Sally Miedema. I say, God, we know you can heal. We know you can. So we pray for that, and we pray for that with passion and desire. But we also pray with humility of saying, God, we will trust you because we know you're good. And so we are sure. We are sure God will make all things new. And see, that's why I say, you know, God is going to heal Sally. I just don't know when. I pray it's in the next Several weeks, months, moments, days, now would be good, right? I mean, I pray, but it could be after she dies on this earth. But I know this, Sally will be cancer-free one day, okay? God will heal. I know that. 
It's just a question of when. And so in our prayers, we are also affirming. And, and again, you can see, right, kind of why we, how this shapes us if we think about this, what we're doing when we're praying of saying, God, this is a broken world. Sometimes that might be just what you need to hear on a Sunday morning. I mean, right now, you might be going through a lot of garbage and just struggling. And I want to say, guess what? You're not alone. And it's not the way it's supposed to be. And it's not the way it's going to be forever because God cares. We affirm the brokenness. We admit our dependence. We ask God to make things new. And we trust that he will do that. That's what we're doing. So how do we do that together? How do we do this together? I I had mentioned something earlier that I want to come back to. And that is in the Psalms, you know, you have these prayers of need. The majority of them are individual. (laughs) The majority of them, most of them are, God, I have this need. I have this brokenness. And, and, And the fact is, a lot of times when we pray, it's, God, I need this and I'm praying myself. My question is, how do we do that together? How do we do that together? How do we do that when we don't know everybody? How do we how do we do that when somebody else is praying. I, I think it's a real challenge. It really do, because it's, it's hard for us to kind of catch it. It's, it's, it's hard for us to pay attention. If you struggle during the long prayer, if you struggle during that time, join the club. Okay? So how do we do it better? How can we, how can we learn to do it better? Part of it, I think, is, is thinking a little bit more about it, but let me give you some other things. And, and the first one I want to mention is this, that we work at learning to pray along with another person, Okay? We work at learning to pray along with another person. How do we do that? I, I was thinking about this because, again, what's happening when we, when, when we pray together is, okay, if Daniel's up here, and Daniel, for those of you who are visiting, he's in Cuba right now. He's our, uh, another pastor here. But if Daniel's doing that, how do I pray along with him? Because, you see, he's talking to God. I'm listening, but he's not talking to me. Right? It's a weird thing. He's talking to God, but I'm listening. So how do I listen while he talks to God in such a way that somehow I'm a part of it? And, and I thought of some situations where you can make, if you kind of picture it this way, I think it can be helpful. Okay? Um, imagine that you're 12 years old. Okay? Imagine that you're 12 years old. Some of you are. Imagine that you've got a brother, sister, good friend, or whatever. Let's just say four of you. Okay? There are four of you, and you decide that you're going to talk to mom, dad, both, whatever about a trip to Cedar Point, okay? You want to convince them to go to Cedar Point. That's what God wants. He's told you that in a vision, and so you want to convince mom and dad. Now, a lot of times what you will do is you'll pick out the favorite child. It's a good discussion at lunch, who's the favorite child? Um, And and so, right, but you'll have one person speak, right? You'll elect a representative. You'll have that person speak, and that person will say, you know, mom and dad, you know, you... You talk about creating family memories. And we think that's really important. And so we had an idea of one possible creation of a family. Right? You have one person. But the other ones, if you're there and you're not the speaker, you're into it, right? You don't just send them in on their own. You're there and you're listening and you're passionate. And you're like, yes, 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 yes. And, and, and you're just, right, you're listening because you're a part of it. Right? Or, or imagine that your family got robbed. Somebody came into your house while you were sleeping and, and they stole stuff from you. That person gets caught. Your family will have the opportunity to talk to the judge at sentencing and, and talk about how this just made everybody feel. And I was like, man, and, and again, probably only one member, but everybody else is going to be there, right? And you're saying to the judge, you got to understand, we just felt violated and we felt taken advantage of. And it just, it was just, oh, God. And, and, 
right? You're, you're not necessarily the speaker, but, but you're there. And you're into it. Or again, a fellow employee is, goes to the supervisor or whatever to talk about a raise for our department. Any of these situations. So think about that. About how are you in that situation. When you go to mom and dad or mom or whoever it is. When you go there. When you go to the judge. When you go to, to the boss, the supervisor. And somebody else is speaking. What are you doing? You're listening intently, right? And sometimes you're saying, yeah, but there's more. <laughs> and, and you might say it out loud or you might not, but you might add something in there, right? I mean, because maybe the favorite child missed something or whatever, but you listen intently and you join in in your hearts. There's a passion because it's not just their request. We all get to go to Cedar Point. We all want to go. And so, so there's that passion of that. And then we also might, we, we also might offer nods or words of encouragement we might say yes or please, or and we might do that silently, or we might do it out loud. Again, think about that. Right in that situation, when when your sibling is, or a friend is bringing the request about going to Cedar Point, you're just like, yeah, right, yes, yes, that's that would be so cool, right? You're you're just doing that either out loud or silently. And I want to suggest if we think about praying our congregational prayer together. And if, if I, I mean, that's what I t- try to do that. When Daniel's leading us in prayer, for me to say, God, okay, here we come, man. You, we, we live in a broken world and we need this. And so, Lord, please be with Ben and be with Drew and be with Sally and be with Laura and be with this person. Because, God, we want them to get better so much. And I might say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You might say it out loud. You might say it silently. I, a lot of us were raised in a tradition where only one person would speak and nobody else made any noise. You don't have to make noise, okay? If you want to, that's fine. But I think in my mind, it helps me a lot to kind of say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. To, it keeps me focused. So think about that kind of a situation. See if that doesn't help us as we, if it, if it it'll feel shorter, I promise. <laughs> it'll feel shorter if we kind of come into God's presence with that. So we work at, at learning how to pray along with somebody else. It's an, it's an odd thing, okay? But you can learn how to do it. We remember that we are a church family. Part of it is, again, Sally's not just Dave's wife. Sally's my sister. Not biologically, but in Christ. And, and this is, again, a thing that we struggle with. Again, we're large. Not mega, but we're a large church. Don't know everybody. But one of the reasons that we still pray for people by name because we're a family, and we want to try to keep being a family. And on the one hand, I think we could save some time if we just said, be with the sick. If we didn't mention names, if we didn't mention that when Gritter's sister-in-law died. I mean, if we don't talk about when specifically, if we don't pray about the group that's in Cuba right now, we can save some time. But we lose something as well. And somehow, somehow in this prayer, I think we can become more of a family. And, and that's, that's something we've said we want to be. All right, third, we do our best to stay focused and refocus after our minds wander. Friends, your mind wanders. It does while I'm preaching, and it does when we're praying. Mind wanders more when somebody's praying, because I close my eyes. And I just, you know, it, it's, the fact is, I work against it, but let's just be honest and then learn to refocus. Just come back. Okay, when it happens, it's not the end of the world. 
just come on back. We might read through prayer requests before worship. They're in the program you received. Or if you get the e-connection, if you don't, you can sign out for it. But on Friday, you'll get a, an, an email from the church. You can read about what's coming up Sunday in the sermon. But you can also go onto the prayer line and click on that. Just know what we're going to be praying for. The prayer leader might direct us. We're going to do this this morning in just a minute to areas where we might bring silent prayer to God. Okay, where we're just doing that. And, and, and we can join in at the amen at the end of the prayer. You know, we, amen does not mean we're done. Amen means so be it. And, and the amen was spoken largely by the congregation after somebody else prayed. That's why Daniel ends his prayers, and I probably should, with saying, uh, you know, and all God's people said, amen. What you're saying is that's our prayer. So be it. Amen. Amen. That's what we want, God. It's, again, we're, we're in our, our Father's presence. And we want him to take us to Cedar Point. So we're saying, amen, amen, amen. And maybe at the end, we respond with amen, okay? So those are some things. I don't know. I mean, if you have ideas, again, please, with any of this that we can do here at Hillside that you say, I think this would be helpful, let us know, okay? Let us know, and, and we'll work on what we can do to try to make this more meaningful. But it's an important thing. We bring our needs to God. So we're going to do that again. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to have some time for prayer. And, and we're, going to, we're going to just ask God to, uh, to heal the sick and, and to bring peace in our world and whatever it is. So, uh, again, John 14, 14. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we come and we recognize it's a broken world. For some of us right now, we're doing pretty well, and, and we're thankful for that, and we do give you thanks, Father. There are so many good gifts. We praise you, and we thank you for those good gifts. There's so many ways in which you've taken care of us, and we know that you're with us, and you forgive our sins, and, and all of those things. But, Father, there's still a lot of hurt in this world. Even for those of us who are living in nice houses, even for those of us who we've got kids who are struggling, grandkids who are struggling, parents who are struggling, grandparents who are struggling, We've got friendships that have fallen apart. We've got people who have said things to us. We've got all sorts of things. We've got a doctor's visit this week that we're concerned about. And so, Father, we just begin by saying, we need you. We need you. Amen.